0: God is good at all the time. Let us pray. Lord, we feel your spirit and we feel your presence on this birthday of your church that you sent to us, a gift that ever keeps on giving. Lord, thank you that you are giving it today, and in your presence, we gain insight into who you are and who you call us to be. Thank you for your word, Lord, as we seek to read it and share it together, that you inspire these words that today inspire us. So Lord, set our minds at ease, our hearts at peace, as we look to you to continue to worship and continue to hear you. Open our ears, Lord. Open our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. So have you ever seen the Grand Canyon in person? Anybody? Several years ago, my sister-in-law and nephews decided to make a journey from Tennessee to California to visit family. And so along the way, they decided to go see the Grand Canyon and really built it up and anticipated. And if you've tried that drive, it's quite a drive. And when they finally got there, they got out of the car and they were looking at the Grand Canyon. And my middle nephew said, Mommy, where is it? Where is it? Mommy, I can't see it. Where is it? Now, this middle nephew loved the Army and always played Army and actually graduated from West Point last year. And he had in his mind and anticipated that it was the Grand Canyon that he was going to get to see. And so when he saw the Grand Canyon, he was disappointed. How would you describe the Grand Canyon? What would be a word you would use to describe it? Magnificent. (laughs) Magnificult. Deep, that's good. Even if you've been there, though, it's hard, right? Magnificent, big hole, to even begin to interpret what it looks like. It's one of those places you've got to go see for yourself. It's been fun seeing some pictures around the church of the youth who, on Cross Notes tour, are headed to some of the canyons in Utah and the other amazing outdoor places. We love the mountains, and and our summer trip this year will be to the Rocky Mountains. Anybody else like the mountains? Do you know what the tallest mountain in the world is? It's Mount Everest, isn't it? That debate, that's debated still. You're right. 29,000 feet that Mount Everest is in, how high that Mount Everest is. Can you imagine seeing Mount Everest in person? Can you imagine climbing Mount Everest? Perhaps you heard the article of what happened 10 days ago on Mount Everest. It was the first casualties of the year. One Swiss and one American passed away due to their climbing. Mountaineers have a term for what most likely happens when people die on Mount Everest. It's called summit fever. In this case, one made it to the summit but had complications coming down. And the other was one step away, literally one leg away from reaching the summit and had snow blindness and exhaustion and never recovered. At 29,028 feet high, You can imagine that the weather on top of Mount Everest is not ideal. But in the spring, it seems they have the longest windows of which you can ascend to the peak. Now, this year, especially because there was no climbing last year due to COVID, there are lots of permits. Over 400 permits were issued for people to climb Mount Everest. With that crowd and with the COVID complications that took place in India, it's been risky. But even besides this circumstances, it's risky to climb Mount Everest at all. When they reach the peak, these people who spent tens of thousands of dollars on their expedition persist in their summit attempt, despite the warning of the guides. They spend so much energy climbing up that when conditions turn against them on the descent, they don't have enough energy on the way down to deal with it. And some will die. Do You know what happened 10 days after Christ's ascension? In 50 days after Easter, ordinary disciples gathered together for the Feast of Pentecost. It was one of three great celebrations in Judaism. Jews from all over the, the Roman Empire would journey to the temple in Jerusalem. They were offering their first fruits of their wheat harvest. Pilgrim caravans would enter the holy city in full celebration of early summer. I can't imagine that they knew what would happen on this particular year, how they would respond. But as we celebrate Pentecost and recognize Pentecost, how do we respond? How do we and how do we as the church respond to Pentecost. I invite you to see this video that shares our scriptures today and I'll follow up with some more scripture afterwards.
1: When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each one of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Mids, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonder of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another. What does, what
0: does this mean? As the scripture continues, Peter is standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what is spoken through the prophet of Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour my spirit upon all the flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below blood and fire and smoky mist, then the sun, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for us this Pentecost day. Thanks be to God. Pentecost. We know Christmas. We know Easter Easter. But Pentecost to me is one of those high days that I put up there with Christmas and Easter together. At Pentecost, God revealing himself through Christ becomes personal, becomes real, becomes tangible. One no longer has to live through someone else's experience. Ordinary Christians, you and I can have a first-hand experience of God. This gift of God which is still available and poured out upon us today, provides direction, courage, comfort, hope, companionship, and peace, whether we're perhaps in the depths of a canyon or on the top of a mountain peak or anywhere in between. When you hear the word Pentecost, what comes to mind? What do you hear in that word Pentecost? Anything? Anything? Pentecostal, maybe, as we hear this word. People filled with the Spirit, people speaking in tongues, charismatic. If the church is alive, it should be, in a sense, Pentecostal. Maybe not in the stereotypical definition we think of, but it should exhibit these characteristics. So how do we keep the church alive, the fire burning, the Spirit moving as we experience a post-COVID world? What must exist in us, around us, and through us if we are to be a church that is Pentecostal? I think the passage today gives us three ways that I want to highlight for you today. The first is we are to be of one accord. We are to be of one accord. Climbers ascending Mount Everest should be of one accord. They must climb together. They must stay together. They must go where the other goes. There's no wandering off. There's no trying your own thing or making your own path. You must work as a team. Your church staff's been working over these past four weeks on Tuesdays for a couple of hours, seeking to plan the best way forward for Emmanuel in this post COVID world. Many ideas, many opinions, and we're trying to give direction that we hope as we start the fall, we'll be able to give clear direction to you. But one of our goals is to be of one accord in our action. When the day of Pentecost came, the apostles were all together in one place. They had a common mission, to make disciples. They shared all things in common. They worshiped together. They waited together. These people were in love with Jesus, not their own ideas, and were anticipating and expecting what Christ would do next. And he sends the Spirit. If we expect great things, then we must be of one accord using the strength and the vision that God gives us through the Holy Spirit to make a growing and vital community that reflects God's kingdom. We are to be of one accord. A second lesson we learn, I think, today is the followers of Jesus all join together constantly in prayer Climbers at Mount Everest must listen to the advice of professionals. The collective wisdom of these climbers and professionals have come together and agreed that there's a turnaround deadline, 2 p.m. If you've not made the the peak by 2 p.m., then you must turn around and descend back to camp. But you can imagine, there are many climbers who are almost there, who are right there at the top and they've spent their life and maybe even life savings to get there. But they push on behind this predeterm- beyond this predetermined time. And unfortunately, many of those do not make it back. Just before today's scripture in chapter 1, verse 14, we're told, they all join together constantly in prayer. Do you know where the church is growing the fastest? Is it the United States? Nope. Pockets of Africa, Asia, South America, even Latin America. Many of these are Pentecostal churches and the cornerstone is revival and guess what? Prayer. Revival and prayer. While it's true that churches that are together in one accord can accomplish much, no one can live out Pentecost if the church doesn't pray. And unfortunately, it seems that we as the church or people of the church have lapsed into Sunday morning prayers only. We've lost the desire to dedicate ourselves to prayer, expecting the Holy Spirit to move in our life and transform our situations. Anthony DeMello in contact with God said this, those who have experienced that prayer is power, will never again abandon prayer for the rest of their lives. He continues, the less we pray, the less we are likely to live the risky, challenging life that the gospel calls us to live. We're not called to recklessly climb mountains, but we are called to faithfully serve God and others, no matter the obstacles or the conditions. We learn to be of one accord and we also learn to join together constantly in prayer. Another thing that we learn is if we're to be the church that's still burning from Pentecost, guess what we got to do? We have to repent. We have and need to repent. Effective climbers must set aside their selfish desires. Again, as I've shared, many climbers spend their whole life preparing for this journey and much of their savings to make it to the top of Mount Everest. And when they're in sight, when they're so close to the goal, it's hard to turn around. And they keep going, and they keep going past the deadlines, making it a decision to expend precious energy to get there. And unfortunately, they don't have enough energy left to get back. And when the weather changes on the way down, they don't make it. If there's a moral crisis in our life, we must repent. If there's a moral crisis in our nation, we must repent. If there's a moral crisis in our church, we must repent. Pentecost is possible only when and where sin is adequately dealt with. Peter the first church leader truly understood this. In the very first sermon of the church, Peter reminds them of their most grievous error. God was at work through Jesus, but you handed him over, put him to death, nailed him to the cross, but God raised him from the dead and exalted him to the right hand of God. And he even repeats it again in verse 36. Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and When Peter had finished giving his sermon, which, if you look at chapter 2, takes up about half of it, the people asked him, what shall we do? And you know what Peter's response was? Repent. John Wesley? Heard of John Wesley? Maybe once or twice? John Wesley preached more sermons on the text, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand than any other text and i don't think that's a coincidence what is repentance for these first believers on this pentecost day it was this changing their mind realizing their error accepting the one they once condemned becoming what they once ridiculed receiving christ for the forgiveness of their sins and you know what repentance is today Changing our mind, realizing our error, accepting the one who was condemned, becoming what they once ridiculed, receiving Christ for the forgiveness of sins. It's saying, I'm sorry, and seeking not to do it again. Repentance is not changed. It's by this act that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit today. My dream for the church is that we experience firsthand the living presence of God in everything we do here on Sunday morning a Wednesday night on Thursday morning on Tuesday night and every day and moment and ministry and gathering and activity in between discipleship is at the core and worship is our common response of celebration we're not there I confess we're not there there's work to be done and plans to be made but we're not alone and we're not on our own Pentecost reminds us of that we must be a church of one accord wrapped around Christ we must be praying people and a praying church we must repent and provide a safe (coughs) excuse me place where others can repent through these things the power of the Spirit will be unleashed. I believe this can happen. I believe this will happen at Emmanuel. And as a result, we can climb any mountain that we face. The name of God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son. Lord, thank you for sending the gift of your spirit upon us. Help us, Lord, to receive it today as those received it many years ago. Recognizing, Lord, in our own life the need to, to be of this one accord and, and the need to pray and, and, Lord, the need to repent. So, Lord, we're sorry. We're sorry for our selfishness. We're sorry for our own agendas. We're sorry, Lord, that uh, we think we know better. So, Lord, help us to um, put our own agendas aside. Help us to seek your face, your presence, your love. Help us, Lord, to be vessels in which your spirit can move and be poured out. and, And, Lord, change and transform us into the people you created us to be. Lord, thank you for your spirit for your gift on this holy day. In your name we pray.